Welcome back, everybody, to Two Beers, Please. This is Matthew Phillips. That second beer is, of course, for my friend, co-host, and birthday boy, Yannick. Happy birthday, my dude. 25 now, right? Yes, 25. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, who would thought? Crisis. Not me. Yeah, it's my golden birthday, actually, too. So 25 on the 25th. It's, uh, it's a big one. I'm, I'm excited, for that. sure. Mm-hmm. It's a... Uh, it's a uh, cosmic happening, for sure. For sure. I'm always jealous of people that like, because since I had my golden birthday when I turned five, I'm always like jealous of people that actually remember their golden birthday. Like, I can't remember what I did. My fifth birthday. I'm sure it was great, but. Right. I have some friends born on the first. They're like, I'm sure it was great. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure I had a blast. <laughs> I'm sure they made a big, big deal out of it. And I'm sure I sat there and shat my pants. Like most there of our birthdays. Like most, I can't, I hasn't happened yet, but I can't, yeah. I can't say it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah, there it's you early, go. Right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's very early. So uh, there's still time. There's still time. Let's, who's, Jan, we were just talking, we were just hitting on this. The best athlete to wear number 25, which 25 is like, it's an, that's an obscure number. Yeah, I, I, I think some running backs uh we are the number 25 you know very big um, bonds wore 25 yeah vince carter derrick rose also wore 25 um i'm trying to richard sherman i thought i thought vince carter were, i thought vince carter were 15 uh when he played in phoenix he wore 25 uh well so not when he we're played not, we're not counting yeah. when you're an old man and you wear your of course, the glory days yeah, of Vince that, that, Carter for the Suns. I forgot about those years where he had all those great dunks. You remember, remember, he was an absolute monster. Um, no, I mean, I I would say Lashawn McCoy in his prime at twenty five was also like a baller. Um, I'm you know, not sure but you can beat for, Barry Bonds. I you can't beat Barry Bonds, but I you know it's my birthday, so I absolutely call this card, and I'm gonna say it's Thomas Mueller. For Bayern Munich, the number 25. You know, it would be better if he was 25 for both club and country. I will say that. He's 13 for country. So it's a little different. He doesn't hold the number over. Um, it's always, but, That's yeah. weird to me how much that happens in soccer, though. Like, even when it's not, like, even just, like, a number 10. Like, I get that will change, like, sometime. But, like, they don't have that holdover. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think Mueller, you could at least have, a, have an argument with, with Barry Bonds. Um, if you exclude Barry Bonds for, you know, steroid use, then that's what I was, that's then, what I was then Mueller, say. then Mueller runs away with it, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the, uh, the restrictions or rules are for, uh, these sort of, uh, debates, but glad to be getting to do this with you on your, on your big day. Great show. As always, the sweet 16 is set March madness in full effect, um, with including our team. And the uh, the men's tourney, at least having their their dashes dreamed too soon, but still lots to review, lots to look forward to in both NCAA tournaments. Huge heavyweight fight, of course, this weekend at UFC 260. Stipe and Francis meeting up again, uh, as well as NBA trade deadline. That's all going on today, right now. Um, we're less than what we're close to, like two hours away from from that door shutting. So. Lots going on in the sports world. Uh, of course, the Two Beers Please Facebook page, our wonderful Instagram page, Two Beers Please underscore podcast, and the Twitter, the number two BP underscore podcast. All those great places to stay up to date with any of our new episodes, any new big sports news, different reactions, great little trivia. So make sure you're following all those. And you best be subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. Get your friends and family on there too. Tell your coworkers. Come on, people. Spread the get get to work for us. Get, help, help us out yeah. here a little bit. It takes a village, and I <laughs> feel like I feel like we're just heading the village, and I want some people in the village. We are doing the lion's share of the work, yeah. here, guys. That's. I really feel like I never see you at the meetings, and it's just me and Matt always. And I'm thinking next time they'll come, and they're never there. And I'm like, all right, well. It's a, it's a Zoom meeting. It's just everyone has their camera uh, off, and they're muted, and everything's like, I, where is everybody? Yeah, seriously. Also, Matt, I do need to say, you did say our team had their dashes dreamed instead mm. of dreams dashed, and I love that. 
That's well. That's uh, just how upset I was with it. Yeah, honestly, we'll 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 get to it. But uh, yeah, dashed I mean, dreams, dashed dreams, dreams dashed, all all of the above. Really, every word you can have for it. Uh, luckily, we have some other teams doing well, so it's uh, we got some other teams to root for. We'll be talking about that a little bit. Um, but yeah, excited to be here. Excited to to be alive. Uh, my my motto I'm saying for year 25 is to find radical happiness in these beautiful bones. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it, you know? You're the, I, che- uh, you're the cheesiest motherfucker I think I've ever met. Hey, you know what? I will, <laughs> I will own that. I will own that card. Let not that I don't. You. Not that I don't love that sentiment. I think it's a great one. No, yeah. Um, I. You know what? I I like I I that's that's what this year is about though. I know who I am. I know what I like, and uh, that's I'm tired of pretending that I'm you know don't like these things. So I'm going to talk a lot of sports. I'm going to talk a lot of musical theater. I'm going to be really cheesy and philosophical, and y'all are going to have to deal with it. So year 25, let's go. It doesn't sound like anything different than the other years, Yannick. That sounds like well, at least in the years that I've known you, sports, musical theater. Uh, philosophical cheesiness. That's that's the ingredients to make a Powerpuff Girl. That was just a reference to Powerpuff yeah, Girls. I, I, I agree. I, I wasn't equating. I wasn't equating you to a Powerpuff Girl. Just uh, trying to get as many Powerpuff Girl references in the show as possible. Good show. Yeah, good show. I am more. I love it. It's really great. Um, nice. That was uh, good. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah, I, uh, you know what, Matt, though, you know me well, and, and to my friends who know me well, and I don't care what they think, I've always been like this, but it's, to, it's to ever, it's expanding that, it's that, that field of people who are like, oh, Yannick's this, and that's what he is, instead of, like, showing that to half the people, and the other half being like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm cool, I'm, uh, gross. I get, I actually, no, okay, I get what you need, need now more, too, because I always have, have, like, done that, like, rode that line of like when I was with theater people, they would be like, oh, you're into sports and you're like this and that. And then if I'm with other people, they're oh, you're a theater. Like people do always try and be like, oh, this is what you're interested in. Like, I don't, I don't know, kind of just in a lot of different shit. So yeah, I, believe I feel, it or I feel not, what you mean. Yeah, believe it or not, we're just interesting people. So yeah, do you- <laughs> that's cool, right? <laughs> there you go. I can go on the internet and find out anything now. I don't. Why wouldn't I become a world class chef? Oh, same, same. You guys aren't ready. Twenty, twenty, thirty. This you don't podcast. Need, I don't even need a cookbook anymore. You can go on the Google. You put in a recipe, and you find more recipes for a dish than you even know it. Like that's the hardest part about cooking now. It's just figuring out which recipe on Google that showed up that you're going to use. You're like, well, which one? I'm always like, which one's easiest? Which one has the easiest ingredients? Takes less time. But that's the toughest part of cooking. It's not the actual cooking process. It's just like, which one of these chicken Parmesan recipes am I going to am I going to go with? Yeah. No, this podcast is going to morph. I can feel it. It's going to become like a half. It's going to become a cooking sports podcast next. Uh, you know, 15 years down the line, we'll have our like five-year-old kids on being like asking them sports questions and being like, what do you think? And they'll say something be like, that's dumb. That's the worst take I've ever heard. <laughs> Dude, my kids are going to be genius. I feel like I was smarter about sports back in the day than I am now. Although I've, although I will be tooting my own horn just a little bit later. Uh, how are you? How are you feeling today, Jan? I'm good, man. You know, I, uh, I, my parents called me at six thirty in the morning today to wish me a happy birthday. Why? And you know what's craziest? They're in Iowa, Matt. So that's five thirty yeah. in the oh, morning. Oh yeah, for no, I did that math. Um, I have. Uh, they're crazy. They went before they went to work out. They went. Not a very good. Called, not a very good present. No, I mean they got me some other stuff, which was nice. But I really was like, I I went to bed at like one or two, so I went on three hours of sleep. And they called, and I was like, "Thank you for ruining my sleep on my yeah. birthday." <laughs> Your birthday oh, birthdays are, are a little exhausting at times because of like the different the messages and the call and like like man, I I haven't used my phone this much on the other three hundred and sixty four days, right? And it's also like. Yeah, I have a lot of relatives in different countries too. So I'm I'm like still waiting on a call from the Germany relatives and um it's a little sad because normally I'd be getting a call from my 
great aunt, and obviously she passed uh, recently. So that's definitely something that's been on my mind. But you know what? I, I really am just, and it goes along with what I said earlier. I'm I'm just happy to be here, man. I don't know. There's so many times in this last year where I like, you know, question like what the point of anything was. So I I, I like being here on my birthday a year into the pandemic and feeling like I have a lot of optimism. That's a fucking win. So I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna use it. And I think that's all we can ask of ourselves. Man, being being here, that's the fucking point. That is the fucking point, man. Right? That is yeah. Why why be why be I don't know. Why? A lot of a lot of people here's the thing. I was like when I was thinking of like even when shit just gets like really, really tough, I'm like, man, so many people and never never even got to deal with this shit. Like nobody, so many like people that have got have lost their lives early in life have never even gotten to get like I'm stressed as hell right now about. Actually, I'm not that stressed, but you know, I'm I'm the normal amount of stressed about a move, and like even that, as much of a pain in the butt as something like that is, is like sort of a gift because it's it's an experience that like so many. I mean, I always just think of my cousin who who passed away at 13. Like my cousin never got to move into his own apartment, let alone deal with the stresses of moving out. And I think like that's, those are the things. And and I'm not saying that like, you always have to be happy and you always have to be glass half full because sometimes like you're going to have, like I had a real shit day on Monday. Like I was just like, I'm just, this is just a tough day. And those are going to happen. But I think it's always like, even that one, I like the next day I I was feeling better to remind myself. I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm lucky to, to get to deal with that and deal with that, those emotions and that, that shit day that it was because at least I got to have a shit day. Exactly. I mean, you don't have to feel great all the time, but it's, it's always that if you're ready to feel better, that thought is always there. Cause it, I mean, you know, the fact that you have options to stress about, that's how I always feel, man. The, the fact that I'm stressing about options is such like an interesting, like silly concept, you know? Oh man, what direction do I take rather than like, I don't even have a direction to take, you know, it's like, you know, very grateful. It's it's a year year of gratitude coming up for sure as well. But uh, and I'm I'm here talking about sports with you, my man. So that uh, what else what else can you ask for? Absolutely, I, I could not agree more. And uh, you know, this a, a good kind of segue into into our sports talk. And, and we'll start with wishing uh, you know the family and the friends and anyone close to Elgin Baylor uh, the best. Of course, the the Laker legend passing away this past week. You know, in in my opinion, as a as a basketball fan, and as somebody who who loves the history of the game, and and as a kid, that was something that I was just enamored with. I've always felt like Elgin Baylor is one of the most underappreciated players in the NBA. Um, and of course, like partly to do with that is the fact that he spent his entire career with the Lakers, and he didn't win a title. And you can't say that about many great players with the Lakers. Like if you're a great right. player with LA, you're you're winning multiple titles, basically. Three titles, um, man. You know, he was there at a time when the Celtics were so much better than LA that like there was only so yeah. much you could do. But but one of the all-time greats, um, a guy who who had a hell of a journey trying to find his way to the NBA, um, a lot of difficulty finding a, a, a spot in Division One basketball because of, of the time he played in. Uh, he he was playing during, during the 50s so not a lot of schools would offer him a scholarship because he was black um but a, a dude who 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 com- continued to persevere and had had a, a terrific career both at seattle uh and, and with the lakers um and and we wish him and and everyone close to him the best yeah it's so funny because we've had so many on this podcast conversations about who's the best who are the top five and 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 in so many cases we've said like Oh, you know, not having a title that goes against them. Elgin Baylor, not one of those people. Elgin Baylor, like, is like, yeah. I think the one person who I'm like, I don't care if he won a title. Do you see how good Elgin Baylor was? My God. Nobody won the title in the 60s but the Celtics. Like, the Celtics were so insanely stacked that, like, it had nothing to do with Elgin Baylor. It was just, just his crap luck. of. And if he would have played a couple more years, he would have won a, a, a ton of titles. Um, so a guy who, you know, and I, and I think too, like, even though he didn't win the titles with the Lakers certainly helped kind of set that path for, for them being the franchise that we all know them as now. I mean, I, I, I think you can make the argument that the Lakers are the best, uh, sports dynasty in, in the world, let alone America. So, 
Um, yeah, uh, uh, terrific. Dude, they like out of the deck. Like, if you compare the Celtics and the Lakers, even if we just go NBA, the Lakers are such a better franchise. It's not even close. Like, I know they have the same amount of titles, but like, that's it. That's the only thing where you're like, oh, okay, maybe they're close. Like, once you look at the histories, they're like, okay, Celtics, like I said already, you won a ton of titles back in the day. Since then, kind of a drought. The Lakers, late 80s. You got uh, then Shaq and Kobe. Then you had Shaq and Pow. Now you got LeBron again. Like even just in our lifetime, they've been there's been so many different iterations of how good the Lakers have been. Right. Yeah. I mean, if we're comparing dynasties, we really should say the Lakers versus Bill Russell. Then you might be able to say you know, yeah. maybe Bill Russell <laughs> takes the cake. But uh, <laughs> the Celtics, uh, they they were they were happy to have them. That's what happened. Um, and I mean, as a Celtics fan, like I would never. Of course, Celtics have had great players over the years, you know, Larry Bird and 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 uh, Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and all of them. But I, I also think that, yeah, you can't – the longevity of it is ridiculous. Like, even the great soccer franchises, which are more historied, um, like – not not more historied, the same history. But, like, uh, you know, Real Madrid w- has gone decades without really winning a lot. And Bayern has gone, like – 20 years at a time without winning. They were great in the seventies. They didn't win again. And really until the aughts and then they're great now again. And they, but they had a little hiccup and it's just like consistently the Lakers are up there. There was a couple years when people were like, they didn't make the playoffs. What? Um, and that's about it. So yeah, uh, they're like, I remember really- the worst. I remember the Lakers were like with Smush Parker and Kobe. It was after they got rid of Shaq. And it was the couple years before they got POW and like had to kind of completely overhaul that roster. And that was the only time I was ever like, man, the the Lakers are pitiful. But even that was so shortly like 2002 to 2009 was the was the span between their titles. And even 2008, they made the NBA finals. Right. I mean, the Nick Young Lakers are still the worst Lakers to me. I the Nick Young Lakers Dude, Smush are Parker, uh, the Smush Parker Lakers were so bad. The Nick Young Lakers at least had like young talent that you could be like, all right, some of these guys could really come into something. The Smush Parker Lakers were Kobe and a bunch of G G Leaguers. Like I think Luke Walton played significant minutes for those teams. Like they were atrocious. Yeah, see this before before I was really I got into basketball like 2005 right when the Celtics started heating up. So, I will say uh my uh Celtics my didn't knowledge. heat up until 2008. Till they got I know. KG. This is my favorite thing about the Doc Rivers' legacy. The Celtics and Doc Rivers didn't do shit, then they got KG and Ray Allen and everyone was like Doc Rivers is the best coach ever. Yeah, like, I mean, we'll talk about it? Doc Rivers. Did that I mean, probably. It what we say on this podcast is fact. You're welcome to look at the truth apart from that, but whatever we say goes. So there you go. I actually think Doc Rivers has become a great coach. I just think he. Got oh, I too, agree. I just think he got too much uh, love early. Like I was like, he was doing garbage with the Celtics. Then they just added KG and Ray Allen. Like that. That's what happened. There wasn't some magical coaching job. You just got yourself good players. Sometimes it can be you know as easy as that. Uh, a little uh, controversial news from the world of sports, Jan, from the NHL. Referee Tim Peel has the NHL and refereeing really in general kind of under the microscope after he was caught on a mic saying, quote, it wasn't much, but I wanted to get a fucking penalty against Nashville early in the dot, dot, dot. Then the audio cut off, kind of trailed out. I bet I'm, I bet we're one of the only few podcasts that quoted him and actually said fucking. I was like, I'm going to take the opportunity to do that since I know yeah. that's I know that's what he said. Um, said, uh, the quote was said earlier or not. I can't remember. I think it was early ish on, um, during the predators and red wings game. Look, it, it's, it's, it's something you kind of had to un- unpack. The NHL is, I think kind of looking out because Peel was going to retire at the end of the year. So like, they've been like, all right, you're not going to referee it anymore. And it's kind of, it's kind of an easy, put a bow on it, be done with it in that sense terms. But in the broader scale of like looking at refereeing and stuff, it's it's not the kind of thing you want to hear. But I also don't think like as, as sports fans that any of us are under the impression that referees like don't have biases. Right. Like I think even, like even after any loss, like most of us as fans convince ourselves that we lost because the refs were biased against us. No, I think that the hope is that, you know, said bias is more of an unconscious 
sort of planned out attack on any team, but like refs are humans and we all have biases we can't control. So like the fact that like he, that mindset is with a ref, I don't think is like, I mean, I think we all know that is, is the case. Like they're, that referees are human. Like they just are. Right. Yeah. I, you know what it is to me, you know what it, it reminds me of? It's like when you're going to, you know, when you're going to try a criminal court case, is the judge going to, is the judge going to allow, um, so there's like judges that are harsher than others and they will prepare for that. They'll be like, this judge doesn't listen to emotional stuff. They only listen to facts. And this judge, you know, is much harsher about this. And this judge won't listen to you if you don't address this. Does that mean the judges are going out of their way to affect the outcome of the case? No. Does that mean you can frame your whole thing, you know, to kind of go towards the judge's leanings? Yeah. So, like, I think referees are similar in that our referee is going to use their – hopefully our referee is going to use their biases to affect the outcome of games. No. Do they have biases? Are they some harsher, some more lenient? You know, yes. I, I think that's – of course that's true. I know there's a German referee that lets people kick each other. Every every game he lets – I mean, he doesn't call a foul until – you know, and, and, if, and if you see refs in soccer all the time – if players get in their face really early on with a call that they made, that team won't get a call the rest of the game. They will not get a call. They won't get a call because he's like, I'm not listening. You know, you guys are getting in my face. I'm not going to listen to you. So, like, I don't think it's – So, this oh, dude. Hot- LeBron, dude, LeBron, people wonder why LeBron James or even Michael Jordan were so good at getting calls. It's because they were best friends with these – they were like, I'm going to have a conversation with this guy. I'm going to treat him well. I'm going to see how I can also get calls. But, yeah, like, certainly – and we talked about it before, even with like Fran, how he treats refs. Like you're not giving yourself or doing yourself any favors. I think, you know, and, and like I, I, there is some worrying to this because like then there's the difference between like natural bias. Of course, like even makeup calls. Like we, we don't say makeup calls without actually thinking there's a bit of a makeup call there. There's a difference between doing that and like colluding or, or yeah. just colluding, but like vocalizing it. Uh, but I think it's more like I, I don't think I don't think him and like his whole mindset is like inherently an evil sort of like thing. I think it's a part of refereeing, but I think it also like highlights the need to properly train referees and and to also have things in place to hold refs accountable. Like I, I'm not trying to ever want anybody to like lose their job, but like referees need. I think they can be held up more accountable, even if it's like saying bad like bad calls. Like if you're continually making bad calls you need to be held accountable. Like if you're not doing your job well, you should be held accountable. And I, I do think this is, a, you know, that would be more the thing that I would be like saying, this is how we curb. So like not, that's more the stress to me of like how you stop any sort of bad refereeing than being like, oh, this guy's horrible. And like refs shouldn't, like you're, you, that's just, you can't get rid of that. But you do have to have the things in place that they're properly trained and they are held accountable if that starts going down, you know, a, a rabbit hole or, or, you know, whatever, that where things do start getting, like, very bad. <laughs> right. An organization of officials where some of them are terrible and most of them are stupid, but they can just be held accountable and trained better. I wonder what that sounds like in, in comparison to today's, today's society. Um Moving on, but I think that uh, you know, I, I agree. I think that there's been some there's been some issues with uh, training refs properly in general. I think some of the refs that I've I've seen come out recently, as opposed to like the classic ones, are just not very good at their jobs. Um, so I agree with that. I also with this guy, I'm just like, yeah, he's on his way out. He's he's he got caught on a hot. <laughs> That's the other like, thing. He's like he's just like this old veteran. Like I like I think it. I think it too is like more of him even talking in jest, like of him being like, oh, I wanted to get like, I wanted to get them a, a penalty. Not like I was going to give them a penalty. Like I, they presented me with the opportunity and I took it. And like, and that, I think that even goes to like makeup calls, like makeup calls sometimes aren't the greatest calls, but if you present the opportunity for a makeup call to be made, it might be made. And you know, maybe it should be made because it's a makeup call. They already made a bad call there. They're trying to even out the surface. It's and, and, and refereeing in itself is never going to be a perfect system. So it has to be 
the building blocks behind it. Like, I mean, to become an English a ref with the FA Cup and, and just the FA in general in, in England is you have to go through so many years of training and, and all that. And so that'd be nice. I, I don't know how you get that situated in, in leagues everywhere. And I don't think people would want to invest the money at this time because I think the FA one is, is more just from the past. And so that's why it's stood strong. But it'd be nice if there was that much in, 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 in every league. Yeah, and I mean, it'd be nice if more people wanted to be referees, but, you know, I, I don't think... But I can't blame them. No, I don't blame them at all. Excuse me. That's a thankless job. It's an absolutely thank, thankless job. It's you're, 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 you're setting yourself up to be absolutely hated um, and, and just scrutinized. There's nothing you can do that's right. There's nothing you can do. Um, you have the only to time anyone likes referees is, like, when you're, like... Like uh, like this guy, where you're like, when you're on your way, you've been around for so long, where like fans are just like, ah, yep, I'm, I know this old curmudgeon, like, right, you've just become a, a fact of life, but your days are dwindling, so people are like, all right, whatever, you're, and even then, it's not like anybody likes you, you're just more like, oh, he's he's fine, he's a fine person, right? He's like, I guess we gave him a little too much shit. I, I suppose his career was a little more even than we set out to be and by then it's been 10 years of harassment <laughs> and you're Seriously. just like oh thanks for the oh, thanks for the good words it's uh like you said it's a thankless job and it's it's a tough one well i i don't see this you know becoming anything bigger than it is but it, i think anytime this sort of thing happens you you want to take a look at at the broader scale of, of refereeing um certainly i don't think it's an issue within the nhl we will get to sad hawkeye news later Yannick but this weekend was honestly for the most part great for the Iowa Hawkeyes the Iowa women's team making it to their second straight sweet 16 they will be meeting UConn for an absolute dream matchup of freshman stars and Paige Love Bookers it. and Caitlin Clark it's going to be it's going to be a bad you know Clark's going to try and take it to her as much as, her, as she can so I hope I hope she takes lets the game come to her that's the thing I think Bookers is a little bit better at Clark is is she kind of lets Let's the flow of the game vibe with her where, where there's times Clark gets a little too headstrong and get kind of turnover heavy at those moments. But so excited for that matchup and, and congrats to, to Lisa Bluter and the, the Iowa women's team for getting back to the Sweet 16. Huge accomplishment. But the big news for the Hawkeyes came out of St. Louis as the wrestling team was able to win their 24th national championship. It's their first title since 2010. Just edged out Penn State, the Nittany Lions of course, winners of eight out of the last nine national titles. So you knew they were going to be battling for it again. Uh, they were number two all year. And even though the Hawkeyes won the Big Ten uh, championship over Penn State as well, they didn't get to have their dual meet this year. Um, so we're, we weren't ever really sure which team was maybe better or was going to be able to get the edge. But Hawks able to do it. Spencer Lee really getting the headlines here again. He wins his third national title. He's got another year of eligibility on, which means he's going to got got to have the chance to become the first Hawkeye to win four national titles, um, which is crazy to think that we haven't had a, a wrestler do that. I mean, not there's haven't been that many wrestlers to do to do that. I think that it's only about like four. Um, so it's not like it's a common thing, but just the history of Iowa wrestling. You you would think that there would be one. We've had we've had few that have won three. Um, and Spencer Lee joins that illustrious list. He'll, he'll try to become the lone four time winner. Maybe the most impressive thing about his title run this year, though, is he tore his left ACL eight days before the tournament. Un unbelievable! I I saw that and I literally thought, because he said that quote that was like I I wrestled with no ACLs, and I thought, wow, like he must have been feeling pretty down. And then I looked, and he actually tore his ACL and then wrestled on it. He wrestled on a torn. It's not on me. No, no, he didn't just wrestle on it, Jan. He won a national title on it. Oh my god! I the most like nothing in the world. I it if is. after I tore my ACL, I would probably be on my ass all day long. I certainly right. wouldn't be wrestling. I certainly wouldn't be beating anybody in wrestling. I mean, he's the wrestling equivalent of Ralph Macchio, you know, hurting his leg and then he crane kicked the crap out of everybody. Like, legitimately, I cannot believe that. I cannot, you know, 
Spencer Lee's a beast. What do you have? 24 points out of like the 120. Like, uh, I, I don't know how many points Iowa ended up with completely, but I'm pretty sure Spencer Lee had like 24 points of, of like, that seems like a quarter of the points for Iowa in general. I think, and, I, think uh, he, I think he scored about probably like a sixth of them because because he, he just gets so many pins and I'm not right. sure if he got any tech falls but yeah he he racks up the points yeah he's a monster so happy to have him on the hawk team I did not know he was eligible for another year so that's ridiculous good luck everyone going against Spencer Lee next year uh see what he can do with two working ACLs it's probably not going to be good for you um no i'm excited and and you know i think wrestling is such a demanding sport i'm not surprised that we haven't had one you know because even even if you do it three times in a row the toll on your body and the toll on like you know you really have to be like a real champion to do that even if you're like a really good wrestler so i i think Spencer Lee is that champion so i'm excited to see i mean we just have so many like three-time winners in just our history it's surprising to me obviously the feat in itself isn't surprising to me but like you know like Oki State has one. Um, of course, Iowa State has one. Iowa State's got old Kale. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, a great job by Brands and them, and and especially to, to I, it made it sweeter that Penn State was second. Like, oh yeah, I didn't want Penn State to be like further down, and and that to be how we finally. I'm not that they they're going to be back next year, but it was it was nice. Uh, we'll move from old. Oh, go ahead. No, and it also like two of our number one seeds went down in the finals. So like yeah, we we started we choking had so that much, thing away. We had so much depth; it was unbelievable. Like like we 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 should have with those two number one seeds going down, which were both shocks to me. We should have not won. Penn State should have beaten us, but the but fact we that had, every, we had a massive lead and we were so close to I'm a good friend and listener, old Matt Eatonhouse texted us all and was like. Hawks are going to win. And this was pretty early on. And then he was like, well, maybe it's not going to win because we started choking it away. And then Penn state, I mean, I, I think Penn state had more wrestlers in the semifinals than us. Um, right. I know, but I know what? they had more, I know they had more champions and stuff, but you know, that's, that's the benefit of having, you know, wrestlers that can get those pins and get those tech balls and all the stuff like that and get you those, those points early on in, in the competition. I agree. But yeah, I, I meant more like if you if I woke up today and you told me, oh, Iowa and Penn State went for it. Uh, Iowa had two number ones go down in the final that they weren't expecting. I think Penn State wins easily. I'm yeah. I, if I hear that, I'm like, oh, Penn State won. That sucks. But we just you're right. We just had so much depth. And again, a credit to Coach Brands, a legend as we know him, uh, that he gets so many guys prepped for these these attorneys that. He can really turn it on anywhere. And Spencer Lee, obviously, leading the charge. You know, I think it's really good for Brands, too, because he he won his second or he won his first national title in his second year at Iowa, you know, and then and then ran off three straight at that point. And of course, it still had a, a bunch of success and still had a bunch of top five. I mean, the Hawks are in the national title conversation every year, but like he took he took over a, you know, a program where a lot of the wrestlers weren't guys that he had recruited and really coached up and stuff and, and won those first three. And so I think for him to get this one where it is really, you know, the program that he's built and, and all his kind of guys and stuff, that's, that's a, a, a big accomplishment for, for a coach. I agree. And no better coach to do it. Let's be honest. Yeah. He's a psycho. I, I mean that in the nicest way, Tom Brands. I remember I met, <laughs> remember I met Tom Brands once. With our, our our friend who used to wrestle for the Hawks, and I was like, "You are your t- he just it, he's just got this terrifying energy about him." Um, let's keep talking college coaching. We'll stay. Uh, we'll go to basketball. We will not stay in, in the wrestling world. I don't know that enough about about wrestling uh, college coaches to talk about it. <laughs> we we'll need we need Tony Hager on here for that. Uh, but it's about basketball. It's been not a crazy coaching carousel. Uh, so far, you know, if you look at the best hires, really big time programs, Iowa State, Minnesota, Penn State, all have, have hired so far. Um, some other kind of big time jobs that, that are open are Marquette. And of course, I think, you know, pretty obviously the, the big, big prize of, of this coaching carousel is the Indiana Hoosiers. Um, I might talk crap about them a little bit later. That they think they're better than they are, but this, that is still the marquee job. Um, and I think a job that, you know, we saw Tom Green there have 
at least one number one seed, a couple of Big Ten titles. So a job that is still capable of doing what Indiana fans expect from it. Jan, who do you think have been some of the best hires so far? Uh, who do you think are some of the top guys for that Indiana job, that Marquette job? What are your thoughts on, on the coaching carousel so far? Right. I mean, I love the Minnesota hire. Ben Johnson, you know, an alumni of Minnesota. Uh, he was an assistant there, I think, in the 2010s at some point for a couple of years. And he was an assistant uh, under uh, Patino. For, there you for, go. From 2013 to 18. There you go. And uh, yeah, he did. I think he did, he he had a really great presence on the bench as an assistant coach at Xavier. Xavier didn't have the season, uh, hasn't had the last couple seasons like what they want to do. But I think Ben Johnson is a good, you know, Minnesota, I think, needs that. They need coaches connected to the program. So I like that he's alumni. I, I have some good hopes for him. Uh, Iowa State, I don't know. You know, like they obviously didn't want to fire Steve Prom. You know, like I, I think... They had to because they went, what, two and 22. So, like, they didn't have a choice. They had to fire him. Um, so whoever was going to get this job, I was going to be interested to see, like, how do they go from a coach they probably didn't want to fire to, like, a new a new hire? Otzelberger, I, I mean, what do you think about him? I, I think, like, his, media, his resume at UNLV is not amazing. So I don't know how, if I think – I don't know how no, they feel about it's, that hire. It's it's not, but he also didn't really have a lot of time. I mean, he took over a, a program that was in in shambles and wasn't really there long enough to, uh, like, turn it around. You know, so I don't think that is is judging. I actually really like the Iowa State hire. The Minnesota one, I, I question. I, I think Ben Johnson seems like a good a good dude, but most of his coaching experience is under Patino who they just fired and wanted to, to create a new sort of culture. So I, I, I always think it is nice to have an alumni, a guy that, that knows the program, but I'm just not, I, I don't understand if you're like, why you're like, all right, let's start a new era, but it's going to kind of be the same era. Um, I, I, I think also Gertberger though is, is a good hire. He's, he's so familiar with Iowa state. I mean, he was an assistant under McDermott. He was an assistant under Hoiberg where I think he really started to, to thrive. Um, I think he was even might have been associate head coach, and actually he even had one year under Prome. Um, I I thought I think firing Prome it was a it's a blessing in disguise. I, I don't think Prome's that good of a coach, um, but I, I think Oldsburger is the big thing too with Oldsburger as compares to Ben Johnson and then Micah Shrewsbury over at Penn State, who who I also really like that hire. Uh, Brad Stevens, disciple, a guy who, who also has learned a lot from Matt Painter. I think that's a, a really good hire for Penn State, um, but Oldsburger's got head coaching experience. Shrewsbury and Ben Johnson have never been a head coach. Olsenberger has been at two different colleges. Like Iowa State's his third head coaching job. So he he has experience of like what that job entails. Um, and yeah, I, I think he's such an Iowa State guy. As soon as they hired, they fired Prome. I, I would have bet my, ha my house that I don't own on them hiring <laughs> Olsenberger. Like he was the, so like, if they, I think they think they can't bring Hoiberg back which I think is dumb. I think you should just bring Hoiberg back. Yep. But Oldsberger is as close as you can get to bringing Fred back. Um, so I, I actually, I, I think, I think it's a good hire. And I think Iowa State, like it still has a lot of talented players. And of course, a, 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 as much as I love to hate on Iowa State, a, a great fan base that you know is going to come out supporting. Um, what about the Marquette, Indiana jobs? Who, who do you have? I know you, you've got to be hurting about that Marquette firing. Uh, uh, Steve Steve Wojciechowski going out. Uh, uh, so who who are you eyeing to to maybe get the Indiana, the Golden Eagles, or just any other kind of head coach that you think teams might be looking at? Right. Well, I, Marquette and Indiana; those are the hires I was looking at. You know, those are the two big jobs that I'm obviously I'm little have a little bias towards Marquette, and for whatever reason, I will continue to hold on to that bias until they're great again, and I'll be like, "See, I fucking told you." Um, but a good job. It's a good job, and you know who I think would do really well who has experience building teams, coaching winning teams, building good players uh, on the West Coast. He has experience in the Big East already. I would love Dan Altman in the Marquette job leaving Oregon. I think he is he's a great coach you think to he move would? there. I, I, here's what I think. I think Oregon's not going to make it any farther, and I think the Pac-12 is boring no matter what they do this season. So I think yeah, the Big East is more exciting. He's got such control – of the Pac-12, I mean, Oregon's kind of become the Pac-12 team. Here's the thing you got to remember too: 
because this is a Marquette job where a lot of good coaches have left. Marquette, private Jesuit school, Oregon, state school. Yeah. What's that, what's that mean for what's that mean for your wallet? Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair. Oregon's got a lot more to offer. He's not leaving Oregon. I think he's I I think he he's I think he's more likely to leave Oregon than you think he is. I think that Oregon's a great leave job. For but Marquette. I, no, maybe not. Yeah, he would leave Oregon yeah. for a job that's a step above, but I don't like Mark if Marquette's a step above, it's like just a step above, and Oregon's got a lot of other things in its favor. Yeah, I mean Marquette's also a job where a lot of coaches that I didn't think would would be in Marquette coached in Marquette. So it's not the first time we'll see a name that we wouldn't expect to take less money go coach at Marquette. I don't think anybody. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm I not mean, gonna go down that. I'm not. I don't think anybody's left a power program to go to Marquette. But no. Also, Dan Altman was at Creighton before he went to Oregon, but that's not a fair argument to make because if, if memory serves me right, Creighton was still Missouri Valley Conference at the time, so that was a pretty easy jump to make well fair i just you know what it is i would love to see marquette get a coach like him and that's where i i think he's gonna go there and you know i'm gonna hold on to that until it's not true um and for indiana you know like you said the best job that's out there um i don't know if if indiana is willing to take a risk like this but you know who just made uh a pretty good splash in his first season at iona on his comeback I Dude, I don't know. I would I, I would know. I would love that. I would Rick love Pitino, that. I mean, they need us. That's the thing. Indiana, they they have so many problems, but they also have so many expectations on them, and they need a seasoned coach that can you know take the talent that they have, build it up, and get through a whole season with a really tough Big Ten conference. So I think Rick, Rick Pitino is a good answer for that. You know, Rick Pitino knows how to do that. He did that with Louisville all the time. Um, getting them through tough seasons. And I think that Indiana is going to have a tough season coming ahead just because of what their conference is like. So I would love Rick Pitino in the Indiana job. Do I know, do I, do I know whether he's going to get another shot like next year that early? I don't, I don't, but like, he's not staying at Iona. Come on. I, I see the Rick. I, I would love to see him go. I'd actually love to see Rick Pitino go anywhere. Make high program. I'm not, I'm not convinced anyone's ever going to want to give him a chance again. Just yeah. because it's a 70-year-old dude who has a decent amount of dirty laundry. Um, I He's love the guy. The mafia. I love the guy. Yeah, it would, without a doubt. Uh, <laughs> like he had – somehow, though, still gets a job only a few years after being embroiled in an escort sex scandal. But I, I would love to see it. Um, the Marquette job, I'm not sure who will go to Marquette. I, I I like the Marquette job, but I, I guess for me, the Marquette job is still a stepping stone. Um, so I, I I don't see anybody really from a high. I, I, I would expect them more looking mid-major or maybe, um, you know, going for an assistant again like they did with Steve Wojciechowski. Uh, he, he had never been a head coach before, but a longtime Duke assistant under Coach K. So um, something like along those lines. Indiana, the big fish, I mean – I. First off, I think Indiana's dumb for firing Archie Miller. I Archie Miller's going to go somewhere and be successful as hell. I also think Indiana was dumb for firing Tom Crean. Like, I don't know what expectations Indiana has that, like, you haven't won a title since 1987. Even before that, Bob Knight and his dominance was starting to dwindle. Like, they're like the Notre Dame of basketball, which fits since they're in the same state. So, like, I, they're, they're ridiculous expectations. Like, Tom Crean won – Big Ten titles there. What? Anyway, I think this team, obviously Archie Miller already had a good defensive kind of background with them. I think that's the kind of place where you would want to keep on building. Right now, I, I'm not sure if, if there's any name hotter than P- Porter Moser with Loyola. I mean, it, for him to have them in another Sweet 16 run, two in four years is, is ridiculous. I think everybody is, is, you know, that's the guy you'd want, especially, as I said, you know, he, he builds from, from defense, which is why his team's win um so it, it, it's a, a way to build up a program when you, when you go kind of in that sort of fashion i'm not sure he's gonna leave he is he's he is somebody that's pretty committed to Loyola, but indiana is is an illustrious job it still is a historical job um i i never really thought calipari would leave memphis and then when you know a, a place like kentucky or indiana comes calling and they write that paycheck it's tough to go um or tough to say no to so 
I think Porter, Porter Moser would be who I would hire. I'm not sure he leaves Loyola. You know, Nate Oates and, and Eric Musselman, I think, would, would be good guys to look at. But I, I think both of them kind of like where they're at right now, especially in an SEC where, I mean, you kind of already mentioned Dane Altman and Oregon and, and how they're the Pac-12 team. Like, the SEC is kind of routinely wide open besides Kentucky. So who says Arkansas or Alabama can't be, a, a, a you know, a, a yearly competitor? Steve Alford, I, I'm sure. I assume Steve Alford gets gets an interview. I think they'd be ridiculous if they hired him. John Beeline's another guy who, if you can convince him to come back out of coaching um, or come out of, I guess he's not really retired, right? If you can get him back into coaching, out of sabbatical, but yeah, out of being fired, um, working for the big <laughs> t- like John Beeline's such such a terrific coach. Um, Chris Beard is another guy I kind of feel like with Musselman though and Nate Oates, where like. Texas Tech obviously isn't a traditional great power, but they pay him a lot of money, and, and I think he kind of likes where he's at. So I, it, this is a tough one to call because I, I think a lot of the guys kind of like Porter Moser or the other dudes we mentioned, I, I think they might they might look at Indiana and, and, and not see it being as illustrious as it once was, but um, or even just see how fickle the – the job is at the moment, but it'll be an interesting hire and, and, and hopefully they get someone good. I, 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 as much as I hate Indiana at times, it is one of those programs that it's, it's good when they're good for college basketball. I'd coach for Indiana. <laughs> oh yeah. Hire me. <laughs> hire me right I can, now. I, I can throw chairs. There you go. I can break clipboards. I'm an incredible chair thrower. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm top 10 at least. <laughs> I am the Mount Rushmore of chair throwing. You and the Mount Rushmore. Who else would go on that list? Bob Knight, you. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure yet. All right, Jan. We'll stay into basketball, NBA, of course. So we're gonna go NBA trade deadline. Some moves from the trade deadline. Nikola Vucevic, Ooh. finally leaving Orlando. He's gonna be going to Chicago with Alfred Aminu. The Magic getting Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and the 2021 and 2023 first-round picks of Chicago. Uh, an interesting deal there. The Nuggets have acquired JaVale McGee. McGee's been certainly someone uh, a lot of teams have, have been talking about who are you know in the playoffs looking for to bolster that that uh, front court, add a little more defense. I think that's it's a real nice get for the Nuggets. The Bucks landing P.J. Tucker, getting kind of their piece. Those have been – the the biggest moves that we've seen so far, really nothing too too dramatic. Who who do you think needs needs to make a move? Uh, what move do you think they needed to to make? Do you think there's going to be any big moves? Yeah, I mean, Aaron Gordon just got traded like a sec ago, um, and so really? that yeah, he got traded wow. to the Nuggets as well. My trade tracker is really uh, good at keeping up with its uh, with the trades. Well, I think it's it's still in the finalization phase, but it's pretty it's pretty clear that I think it's going to happen. So Aaron Gordon leaving the Magic as well, uh, with Vucevic and Ma- Aaron Gordon leaving the Magic. Oh, and then the Celtics are probably going to sign Evan Fournier uh, from the Magic as well. Um, so the Magic just are just like, well, we're done with this like every year. Um, so that's. That's I can't believe they. Trade. I can't believe they hadn't traded Aaron Gordon before. And also, honestly, kind of Vucevic, just because of of the package you can get. I mean, two first round picks. Wendell Carter Jr. is still not a horrible player. Like Vucevic is a guy you can get some stuff for. Right. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of teams that could use moves. I mean, you look at the Lakers and everything that's going on there. They could probably use some shooting help. Um, I don't know if they'll get it here, but we'll see what they do. Um, my Celtics need help. My Celtics can't win a game to freaking save their lives. They're, they've gone from contenders to maybe they'll make the playoffs. So um, I uh, I think that they need a power forward and not a shooting guard. So I don't know why that move was there. Um, I'm hoping they still get someone else before the end here. Otherwise, Brad Stevens might actually go to Indiana, given they're going to miss the playoffs. Um, yeah, but I think the Celtics is one team that really needs needs to make a move. Um they need some help. They just had too many injuries everywhere, and and it's clear that Tatum and and uh, Brown, while while playing at at, at All Star caliber levels, that's as far as they can take them is to a five hundred record. They need another player. They need another player. They, they just need other. They just need other guys to score. <laughs> like like Tatum and Brown, are, I think are just asked to to do like to almost do too much. Like 
Right. Every now, every now and then, like you need somebody else that can get a bucket for you. And when Kimbo's there and healthy, it, it can be at times like that. But even then, like Kimbo, all those guys want to start. And like you need guys to come off the bench and be able to, to put the, the ball in the basket. And as much as I love Marcus Smart, I think Marcus Smart is a terrific basketball player. He's not a great scorer. Right, he just shoots threes, and when he's hot, it can help, but that's about it. Uh, I think 76ers are another team that could make a move, you know. They look really good under Doc Rivers. They do, you know. But I think there's, like, one more piece missing before I I can believe that they're going to compete with Brooklyn and Milwaukee. You know, with well, Milwaukee, you have Giannis, you have Chris Middleton, um, you have Holiday, now you got P.J. Tucker. And obviously, with, with Brooklyn – you know, eventually Kyrie will be there again. I, I don't really know what his situation is, but, you know, hoping the best for everything that he's going through. Uh, Kyrie and and Harden and KD, you know, outmatch Simmons and Embiid um, and Harris. So I think you need one more player. I would get rid of – I would get rid of Harris. Like, I would get rid of Tobias Harris. I bet you could get such a, such a good trade for Tobias Harris and get an actually good player that's going to help you. My God. I bet you could. Tobias Harris has been playing great, but come on, he's not going to take you anywhere. Like you know that. Don't be, don't be the 76ers of old. Come on, do something. He's just like he's just like Chris Middleton, where like whenever <laughs> they need him to actually make plays, he doesn't. Like like I I remember the start of the year, like watching the Bucks and like man, the Bucks are looking really good, and like Chris Middleton, and then I I remembered, oh yeah, because then the playoffs started, and Chris Middleton forgot to get his bus to Orlando and like Tobias, Tobias Harris is the same way. I, I agree. I feel like the whole top of the East kind of could use some more rotation to their, to their teams. Now the Bucks kind of not anymore since they got that PJ Tucker, um, which I, I think is a, a great pick um, pick up just because of his defense and, and the three point shooting that he brings. The net, I even think the Nets though are, are with the Sixers where they, they I, I think there just needs to be a little more, Depth to the net, Nets, uh, another guy just to be kind of like a perimeter defender, a guy that can, can spread the floor. What about Blake Griffin? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we did. We did pick up Blake. We got we got Griffin. He's been uh, been doing great for us. Um, but you know, I I, I just think all, all these teams I <clears throat> seem to have such shorter lineups this year too, where like it, it feels like if you're able to make like that, if if not a lot of other moves get made today, like that PJ Tucker move, that might be the move that determines the East because I think these teams are are pretty top heavy with their talent and don't have a ton of ton of depth. Um, now the Bucks probably have even more of a, a leg up on on the Sixers and the Nets in the depth department, at least. Miami, I think, is a team that if if they want to get into that conversation with those guys now that they're getting a little hotter, they're closer to the the top four uh, of their conference. I think they would need to make another trade though, but I think they would need to make a trade for a guy that's like much more impactful, like victory Ladebo. Like, I, I don't think they can just get a role player. I think it would have to be somebody that like would be a substantial, substantially impactful piece to really make a difference for their team. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I agree. I think it's the East that needs moves uh, for sure. And, Dude, yeah, no one that. in the West. When I was looking at the West, I was like, I didn't really see anyone. But I agree. The Nug- I don't. I don't love the Aaron Gordon deal for the Nuggets. I have to. I have to admit. But I love the Javale McGee pickup. I think that's all. That's that's perfect for them. I, and and I love that the Nuggets are still being aggressive. Yeah, that's what's going to help them. That's why they will continue to be a team in that top tier, no matter how many other teams are doing well or poorly. Um, yeah, I see them as a contender like anyone else, especially with the Lakers going through as many problems um like they are today um you know know, there was a team that was already made the western conference finals last year like it right no i like that's a good team and like this is what you have to do though like in in building a roster this is like it's why it's more so you know in baseball than than basketball but like i i think the trade deadline is such it's such an asset in being able to be like all right here's that one tweak to our roster that we can make and that and like that can Shoot us! You just have to commit to oh, sometimes to winning right now instead of the future, which is can be a tough decision from a GM. But like, if you're a team like the Nuggets that have not had that much success, you have a ton of talent right now. You were close last year. You're playing great. You're having MVP type season from Nikola Jokic. It it's all right there for like go take it. I love that out of Denver. 
Right. I also just think, like, what team has won championships without pulling the trigger? Like, I'm sorry, the Lakers are successful because they pulled the trigger on these LeBron and AD trades. You know, the Nets will be successful because they pulled the trigger on all these great trades. And I think teams that are just sitting there hoping that what they have will be enough, like, I don't agree with that move. You know, I, I don't know why so many teams are being anxious. I get it. You know, in any business, you're going to be a little more savvy about who you bring in and what you give away. But, I mean, it just feels like everything that's happening with the Lakers, I'm just like, yo, anyone can take this league. So, like, why wouldn't you go for it? You know, like, this season could be yours if you just play your cards right. So, But play the cards, you know. So, I love what the Nuggets are doing, though. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, sometimes the cards aren't there to be played. I mean, it's not, there's not always draft. Not everybody's, you know, going to be able to be traded not everybody's going to be able to be available. Um, but you know, you, that that's why it's, it's sometimes it's less of making the move to go get James Harden and, and the move of going to get JaVale McGee. It's the, it can be the littler ones that make big time uh, impact in the season. Give me one splashy trade prediction, Jan. Well, I'm still, this is like a little bit of a homer hope, but like LaMarcus Aldridge still doesn't have a new team. And I would love to see him in a Celtics uniform. I think he's that kind of presence. I'm not saying LaMarcus Aldridge is like amazing like he used to be. He's not, but I think he could be good enough on the boards, especially, which I think we need um, to 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 give us a, a good in-game uh, boost. Um, and I, I just like LaMarcus Aldridge too. So like, I, I think I would love LaMarcus Aldridge to go to Boston before the trade deadline's done. Um, also not for this year, but I'm telling you in the next two years, Oklahoma city is going to be the best team in the league. Like they have 34, they have 34 tra- picks. It's they have 34 insane. picks. Like, forget it. They're going to get Giannis and they're going to get Jimmy Butler. And they're going to like, they're just going to get four players. They're going to get a star team in one year. <laughs> Well, I mean, shit, out of 17, they have 17 first round picks. If you aren't able to like hit on a, if, at least a few of those where you're uh, like a playoff contender, then. I mean, they just and, might and, win. Hey, they're like, this is a team that franchise that out of the draft wise over the last decade and a half has been as good as any, like Kevin Durant, Jeff Green, Russell SGA. Westbrook, James Harden. Uh, yeah, I was I was gonna say Shea Gilders Alexander, uh, Hamadou Diallo. Uh, no, they traded for Diallo, didn't they? And actually, they traded for SGA too. He was a Clipper. But oh, still, damn! But it. still, but still, it's Stephen Adams. I believe was an OKC pick who Lou Dort think he was gonna be as good. Dort. I mean, even just even if you just say Durant, Harden, and Westbrook, there's few times a franchise has that amount of star power to hang their hat on that they've gotten in the draft. Right. So like if they if if they can find those three out of that thirty-four, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um look excited to have have them win everything. I mean, it's also a lot of pressure, but or they just wait till a really good draft class comes up and they take everybody. <laughs> They're just like, we're gonna take all of every single player in the first round. Thank you very much. Like one of those drafts somewhere it's like Zion and Ja at the top and you're just like, all right, well, we won the first, we got the first pick and then we'll trade you a bunch of our other picks for the second one. And these will just be our cornerstones. I love that move. That would be such a baller move. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you can have the rest of the first draft, but I want Zion and Ja Morant. That's Uh, like what's going to happen. I would love that. Love that. That'd be hilarious. I don't think any team would do it, but I I would still like it. My splashy trade prediction, I, I mentioned... Heat maybe going after Old Depot. I don't think they will. I don't think they'll pay the price that, that Houston wants them to pay. Um, so I'm going to say that the New York Knicks make a trade for Victor Oladipo. I think it actually makes all right. More, I think it makes more sense for the Knicks. I don't think the the Heat should pay for for Oladipo's price. But like the Knicks have already shown that they want to be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, I think Oladipo is is I'm a huge Victor Oladipo fan. I think he's still kind of getting back from his injury. I, I think his talent is still all there for him to be a, an impactful player for a team. So, yeah, I'm going to go Oladipo to the Knicks. Oh, love it. Him and Julius Randle. Yes, give it to me. I'm so yeah. excited for that. That's going to be fun. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, lots to still happen. Um, but, we got, you know, but we got like an hour. We got an hour 15, basically. And yeah, we'll the, let you the know. The deadline will be. Yeah, we'll let you guys know uh, if anything comes up in the in the talks here. 
Um, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm excited. Probably by the end of the podcast, we'll be like, here are the trades. So, like, uh, oh my god, oh my god, I believe who the Suns got? Steph Curry is a Celtic. <laughs> That'll be nuts. You would, to, you would have to lose Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Would you do that? Would you do that trade? Would you trade Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum right now for Steph Curry as a Celtics fan? No. no. Yeah, I would. I still- I still have one more year. If you talk to me next year and we miss the playoffs and they still can't, I might like pull the trigger. Uh, but even then I'm, I'm, I, you know, Steph's older, you know, that's, two, that's two pretty talented, like pretty talented young players for one great, admittedly great player, but like, uh, I don't think Steph Curry would come in and change the, what the team looks like. I, right. Be a good, well, good, no trade. We'd be good. We'd be, we'd be good from three and that's about it which is just going to win us half of our games like usual. So what are we, what, that doesn't change anything. Let's be honest. We're in the same spot we've always been in. Yikes. That's the episode title. 